Welcome to the videocast, A Regenerative Future. This is a videocast where we dig deeper into the solutions of how we can create a more regenerative future. My name is Chris Hovde, and every week I invite inspiring guests who all have in common that they act to create a more thriving world for all of us. So get ready this week again to be inspired and get tons of concrete advice on how you can contribute. Today's inspiring guest is, uh, yeah, I could probably say a dear friend uh, now. I had a lot of interaction with her and she's an associate professor in leadership and has even been awarded the best lecturer of the year. And I totally understand why. And hopefully you will experience a lot of that today as well. She's doing a lot of exciting projects. Among them is maybe one special, uh, a bit more exciting one, promoting female role models in Zanzibar. I really look forward to get to know today's guest, I dig deeper into her exciting projects. So welcome to the show, Irmelin Drake. Thank you so much, Chris, and thank you for having me. It's a true pleasure to have you here. And since I'm also a bit of a nerd in leadership, I would really love to use this coming 30 minutes to pick your brains and also share with all the listeners all your great uh, and inspirational practical tips and tricks and uh, what you have learned in your life. So let's start with your life. Where or what happened in your life where you really, oh, leadership and self-leadership is a truly uh, passion of mine and I need to bring that to the rest of the world. Well, I think uh, for sure the, the terms leaders and leadership is something that has grown on me after I became more of an adult. But I I'm pretty sure that uh, some of my experiences from my childhood has been important because I had a few years when I was in uh, like fourth and fourth to sixth grade, probably, that I had to run home from school almost every day because I was teased. And I just didn't understand why. And uh, after I became older, uh, I started to think about why that was. And I think it has to do with being different. And so when I started working, then I became aware of the women's issues and how it was hard for companies and organizations to uh, embrace the difference that sometimes women bring to organizations. So uh, then I started to think about, I need to, to learn about this. I need to study and find out. And one of the most important, I guess, areas of, of empowerment is through leadership. And leaders have a very important role and, and possibility to shape the future, right? So, so then I, I decided, I, okay, I have to learn more about uh, leadership. And I'd already taken a uh, bachelor's in business administration. So um, I found out there was very little knowledge in Norway about uh, women and leadership. Um, we had a lot of knowledge about gender in different other um, mm. topics like sociology and pedagogy and, and things like that. But so then I went uh, back because I had my bachelor's from uh, San Francisco, from California. So I went back and I took a course called the Women in Management in at San Francisco State University. And I had a brilliant professor there that has inspired me later when mm. I started to teach. And uh, she 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 made us go through a lot of exercises and work on ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a key for me in terms of leadership is that I think that it's something we all can do. You don't have to have a leadership role in order to promote and uh, influence other people positively. Mm-hmm. And we just have to become more aware about the possibilities. And yeah. So uh, I think I've been really fortunate now that I can work on uh, uh, leadership education and also leadership development in different areas. And I think your work is so important. I'm so pleased you're a guest lecturer in my course. Yeah, I really yes. look forward to it. Yes. But then uh, that's kind of uh, a bit of my provocative as well. Uh, I kind of was also bullied in school, was the strange one out. Then I started to become uh, the persons I didn't like. Uh, meaning that when my team leader wasn't leading in a good way, I want to become a team leader. When my then division manager didn't lead the team leaders in a really well, I can do it better. I, I will improve it. And then, of course, I took a couple of masters also in leadership. Um, but then you just became a professor. So <laughs> that's a long step. Uh... Yeah, but I, I kind of have a little bit of a similar I think story because I became a, an elite swimmer. So when I I started swimming when I was ten, and I was a, uh, I think I was very talented because I got uh, good very fast. So I was uh, sort of learning how to perform in order to deal with my inner uh, shame and doubt and lack of self confidence that I developed when I had been bullied. And that's something that I think is kind of something we might want to talk more Mm. about is this, what is driving us? I think maybe a lot of high performers are driven by this need to, you know, uh, get confirmation that we are good enough and that we are something worthwhile. And so that's something, you know, when we look at high performers, we're always very impressed. But I think we also maybe need to think about uh, what has the road to get there been like, yeah. and and also uh, you know to to make sure that we we work on the inner uh, growth yeah. and dealing with. Yeah, you know, I think that's issues. so important. The road there, we usually forget that. In my case, it was like I'm 37 now. It's basically 35 years of pain and struggle and kind of really doing the self-awareness, working on my self-leadership, uh, working on my old traumas and like really working through what's inside of me. And like it's two years where I feel like I've really been blossoming uh, and performing as never before. And also then a lot of great opportunities comes. Uh, but people don't see those 35 years that's leading up to that. And I hear that with a lot of kind of uh, famous people or really great athletes like, oh, I would wish to be like that. No, maybe you wouldn't because you wouldn't take 35 years of pain or uh, living in poverty or many of people are rising from really rags to riches. But you have had a good life your whole life. So maybe you don't have so much to fight for. I know. Yes, I so agree. And and it's hard because we've been trained at least me i'm a different generation but we were trained to be professionals we weren't supposed to show our personal sides and and share you know what was hard so i'm so glad i'm not your generation (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah 
you know uh, i think it's something we have to unlearn you know i mean we learn a lot but uh, it's hard to unlearn some of those things and i, I feel it myself uh, how i hesitate to become personal because i'm kind of worried that i'm gonna yeah impose my personal personal situation onto mm. uh, people but i realized that the new generations that's what they expect from their leaders mm. they want the leaders to be more authentic and to share their vulnerabilities and and to be open about what is difficult because it makes it it's not it's not like the Per, being perfect is what motivates. It's the other way around. Mm. And that's kind of a really paradigm shift, I think. Mm. Do you agree? Yeah, I would. Uh, would uh, I at least see a bigger wave of people that's also willing to be authentic and vulnerable. Uh, but I still see a big group of people uh, that's still trying to protect their perfection null picture of themselves and going that normal route and it seems like many people actually need to go that route with like traditional career perfectionism and then lead to some kind of a crack or burnout or midlife crisis and then they kind of get there um kind of through authentic life and kind of a new beginning i luckily had my mid life crisis when I was 30. So I have a lot of uh, thriving in an authenticity and vulnerability to do. But many people I see are friends that kind of maybe are there when they're now 60. Um, but uh, some friends that also are already there when they're 20 or even 18, 17, 16. So like living in vulnerability and authenticity from day one. So I wouldn't say necessarily it's a generation it's more like personality type and who who do you surround yourself with and so on yeah maybe but, mm -hmm. yeah just wanted to ask you kind of because i want to tap into that what uh, what's the fear about uh, from your perspective like you say mm, i may be afraid of sharing and imposing my personality if you dig a bit deeper behind that fear what is it about i think it's control Actually, when I when you when you ask it that way, I think it's uh, uh, letting go of the control to uh, shape the narrative in a way, you know, uh, because um, when you become vulnerable, you're open to other people's interpretations. Mm. And I, I think one of the things that I've noticed if I've sometimes have been because I've been had a blog for many years and mm. I also was a columnist in a, in a newspaper where mm. I wrote about like life and leadership. So I was sharing being a young mother with three children and how that hard that was when combining it with being uh, my own. I had mm. my own company. Um and then there, you know, you open up for all kinds of comments. Yeah, people, that's tough. You know, people feel like they, you know, you've opened up. So then you you are a receiver of, you know, opinions and yeah. comments. And and even if, uh, yeah, so it, I guess it's a little bit mm. uh, hesitancy because I don't want to be helped. And, you know, it's not that I want to <laughs> share because I, I help because... Yeah. I think also a lot of the time when we share things, we've already uh, processed it. Processed yeah. it. Don't, yeah. you, don't you feel that way? Uh, uh, actually, you... not. Uh, really? Many times, 
many times, yes, but I have shared a lot along the way and even kind of cried on social media and I got a lot of messages, are okay, should we call an ambulance and kind of, uh, uh, what do you call it, kind of force put into a mental hospital and like, I'm like, when did crying, becoming sad, like feeling lonely sometimes, like I still have some days where I feel lonely, where everybody of my friends is out and I chose to be home. Uh, I chose it actively, but I still kind of feel a bit of a loneliness in it in some things. So what we should normalize is that I'd say life is 50% happy and glamorous and fun. And then it's 50% shitty, but we only show the glamorous 50% part, like it's peace and love and uh, war and peace, whatever. Uh, so I think that's kind of a bit strange uh, that the worst comments I've got, like when I cry or show emotions, is like, oh my God, uh, he's mental and he's uh, going downhill and we need to care for him. Like. Seriously, have you never cried uh, before? Or then I would be more worried than the people who cry once in a while. And then, of course, people have uh, said in comments that they want to come and rape me and kill me and they're going to fuck my mother in the ass and like I, like I do with men. And so you put yourself a lot on the plate. But then I'm also, if you call me things like that, it's you that have a big problem. You should seek help if you need to impose people with that kind of comments. It's not me that have a problem. And then I also like to think the thing that, okay, if I know you and you're close to me, I care about what you say. If you have never met me and only kind of take a three minute snippet out of what I say, and then you have an opinion, then I'm, your opinion is equally worth as my relation to you. Uh, so that has helped me to kind of take a distance uh, from a lot of public comments. But is that an experience that you have has grown on you, or have you felt that? Because I, I guess it, it, with experience, you you learn some strategies. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely by experience. I remember the first times. Okay, did the rookie mistake of not putting in power. Uh, the first times it was actually really detrimental. I wanted to go offline. Uh, I wanted to kind of pulled down my blog and all the other sharing uh, channels in social media. And I was like devastated for several days. And I've been kind of laying in uh, some days like where people started to call my work and ask them to kind of fire me and put out rumors with my partners. And like, you know, it's difficult when it goes out on your private security, like your job, your family, uh, and your relationships that you really hold dear. Uh, of course, they don't believe it and so on, but um, th that's when it's scary. Um, and some accusations that wasn't uh, true and like, you know, uh, you can't control it. So you see lives are ruined just because of a rumor. So that's always the risk you bear. But for me to be silent the rest of my life in case I might risk something in the future, it's not an option. I would rather lose my job, uh, be on welfare, uh, and everybody hate me, uh, knowing that I at least tried my best before that. Uh, so that's my answer to that. What's the worst um, kind of comments or feedbacks you have gotten? No, I think I've been in a few situations where I have experienced being like put on the spot uh, being, you know, I, I remember one time I, I had a, 
lecture or a speech. And it was actually a speech uh, where I was talking about women and entrepreneurship. And uh, it was a little bit the framing, I think, of the speech. There was, uh, we, the, the organizers were kind of sneaking a little bit in the gender perspective. It wasn't really sort of pub publicized. And when I started to speak, there was this man who got up in the middle of the audience and started to attack me. Why I was talking about this, this was totally uninteresting. Those angry men. <laughs> yeah. And then there was this uh, high profile uh, news anchor who was leading the conference and he was sort of uh, getting hooked onto this guy. And then all of a sudden I felt like I was being totally attacked. And then mm. I lost my words. Yeah, of course. So I, I went into freeze and my brain just froze and I wasn't able to defend myself or say anything. So uh, it was a very traumatic experience, actually. Mm. And I ended up uh, getting a migraine and I had, you know, I was just staying over at this hotel in this other city. And it was a really horrible experience. And it took me years after to be willing to expose myself to to put myself out there for that kind of um, and i even had to i mean i was even teaching like coaching and and yeah. leadership and i was using all of these uh, methods and strategies that i'd learned to try to uh, come to terms with it but uh sometimes i think some of these like everyday experiences can be really traumatic. We really Absolutely. have to look at it as a trauma. It's yeah. not the only like a childhood experiences mm. that can be traumatic. And I really have, uh, you know, working with meditation, working on different uh, types of yoga and other methods to, to sort of uh, resolve some of the blockages yeah. that I think I created physically. Yeah. in my body as a reaction to some and i've had several other uh, experiences uh, just being lonely you know i was working on my own and i was out there doing a lot of lectures and there was a lot of hostility regarding the issues that i was talking about and you know i was the receiver of that hostility mm -hmm. you know and uh, i know what you're saying that it's uh, it's not personal and you can you can see and feel sorry for them but at the same time you know there is energy coming towards you so i'm just thinking about you how do you how do you process uh, that that negative energy personally yeah but it's sounds probably simple but it has taken me i've been prob probably quite public uh, for at least maybe 15 years now so i would say maybe the latest uh, five six years it has felt really easy like if you're that immature and childish that you say you're gonna come and rape me and kill me I know that when I've confronted uh, some of these people that are quite um, confident behind the screen and I meet them around the table in professional conversations, uh, they are not confident at all. So I'm like more like, oh, pity you if you need to call someone that. And then it doesn't, I don't even let it in. Um, so that's one way. Other times when it really kind of goes in, in my, into my heart, 
takes me a couple of days being alone just to process it. I sleep a lot, I train a lot, I meditate a lot, and just with me in silence. So it's like a tumble dryer. Uh, it takes a bit of time, but once it's done, it's dry and it's gone. So I just need to lay down and let it go through. Well, it's one of the topics that I teach, and I'm, I feel very fortunate that I'm able to study and and teach about these topics that I, I think are important on in my own personal life. And emotional regulation is one of those topics. Mm. And, and I think that's what we're talking about is what are the strategies to regulate? And, you know, there, there can be cognitive ones where you try to de-emphasize the importance of what's happening to you mm. and you can remove yourself from, from situations and things like that. So. So that's what I'm thinking is uh, it's important that we, you know, when we say to people, you should be out there and voice and participate. I think we also have to think about the strategies that are needed in order to be out there and be healthy. And, mm. you know, uh, and that's something that I think when when I teach self-leadership, it's my hope that uh, they can, you know, take those strategies and be equipped with with things that uh, actually can encourage them to yeah. be be out there and be take leadership even if it's difficult and even if there will be uh resistance and hate and whatever. yeah so if we continue on that note what would be your recommendation to the listeners out there to kind of start the journey of self-leadership and building a robust self yeah, I think it's the first is to realize that that is so important. It's the most important thing. I remember I, I read a quote by this artist. He, she used to be married to Picasso and she's over 100 now. And she said, you know, from li having lived 100 years, there is one thing that is most important is to, to be yourself and to, to know yourself. And so I think that's the... Uh, it's like the most important relationship we have is with ourselves. And I think a lot of us haven't been fortunate enough to have a platform of love that we stand on when we enter into our adult lives. Mm -hmm. So some, some are really lucky and they've been, you know, fostered with love and care and, and, uh, you know, uh, even, even if you have parents that have cared for you, you can, there are many circumstances that can create difficulties for, for children, right? Mm. So I think uh, a lot of us don't have that platform and we should work on that. So self-leadership is not only about being productive or, you know, sometimes it's associated with that, but I think it has to do with influencing yourself and realizing that, you know, you need to get to know yourself. You need to self-observe you know, find out what is it I like to do? What is it I'm good at? And how can I do more of that? Yeah. And so not only to find our weaknesses and our, our what's, you know, difficult for us, but also to understand what our, you know, preferences are, what makes us laugh and what makes us enjoy life. Yeah. And to really research to take it seriously as because it is work. It's not something that you can just It's come hard up with. work. Yes. Yeah. For years. So, so I think yeah, and also to be to be realistic in terms of the ambitions that we can have on our own behalf. 
you know, and I, I guess every year in January when people decide <laughs> they're going to change something, you know, yeah. and we all realize that, you know, change is hard, mm. you know. So, but so yeah. Yeah, I would like to uh, talk on that kind of New Year's resolutions because I think it's so stupid that you yourself year over year over year i hear many people setting the same expectations or resolutions but then they know they're gonna fail and then they say i want to train more or i want to eat more healthy and i'm like no you don't you say those things because you believe that's how others see you that you should do more of but if you don't really want it, or if you actually would want it, you would do it. So it's kind of checking with yourself, is going to the gym five day days a week actually something I want to do? And then we should probably love our ambitions and take small steps at a time. And then I think that every new day is a new year. So I set my kind of small steps every single day. What do I do? want to do more of today so I can get the dream life I want? Because I see the life as the sum of my days. So then the day today need to have elements of what I want in my dream life. And that's kind of living in a jungle. That's being able to kind of have autonomy to play in a podcast in the middle of the day. I did the breakfast with a friend early morning, worked in a longer day, and then have a gym in the basement so I can get the stuff uh, like time for everything I need to do. I have a dog because I want to live with animals and I believe kind of walking a lot and out in nature. And then rigging my life so I can actually feel that with all the things that makes me happy, gives me energy, makes me calm and release my full potential. It's here and now, today, I talk with so many people that uh, I want to go to farm and build a community and live like uh, amazing in 10, 15, 25 years. And some never does it, but they still live with the dream. I'm like, why don't you just create the community where you are today? Start to say hi to your neighbor in the elevator. Start to engage in the board of the building that you're a part of. Create some gardening things together and like we can do everything here and now. And I think that's so empowering. Yes, uh, music to my ears. I feel like uh, this is, uh, you know, um, it's something I've tried. And I think I, I have the same mindset. I'm thinking about every day. I, I dress up, I, I look at my clothes and I go, what if this is my last day? What would I wear if <laughs> yeah. it was my last day, you know? And uh, and I think this uh, the idea of inner motivation to really find, you know, what, in terms of like, for instance, training, like you were talking about an exercise. It's like, what do I really like to do? Mm -hmm. what train, you know, I love to dance and do Zumba. And uh, the, it's a possibility, you know, you can, I don't have to go to the gym and find a class. I can do it online in my own living room. And and. And I think also with self-leadership has a lot to do with the natural tools and strategies that we have that doesn't cost anything. It's about, you know, how you visualize something, uh, how you uh, regulate your feelings. It's like you can even decide on what do I want to feel today? You know, I have this, mm. uh, I have this uh, column that I wrote about feeling rich. If I want to feel rich today, how how can I do that? Do I have to be rich, like in money? No, no. There are so many ways you can feel rich, you know, <laughs> yeah. just by going out in nature and thinking about, 
you know, I get access to all this nature, or you can um, go to a public building like a church or, or a library and look and just sit there and be a part of something so rich. Mm. I mean, there are so many ways that we can actually uh, shape our lives in accordance with what is you know uplifting and encouraging and yeah. all the examples that you mentioned you know? i love that and feelings doesn't cost anything so you can always feel the things that you want to want to have more of just need a need here and then also to touch upon uh, you have one a bit exotic project uh, that you're doing also to empower more people and it's basically building even more self-leadership and then focusing a bit on uh, female role models. And that's a project in Zanzibar. Uh, what's the main uh, key takeaways from that project? Well, I think it's in accordance with what you, you mentioned. It's about seeing something and then taking action because you can and taking leadership in, in areas where it's possible. and. Uh, I was fortunate enough, it was a dream that I'd actually drawn when I took this women in management course. I, uh, one of the exercises was to draw ourselves in our wildest dreams. And I, cool. did, I did two drawings uh, on that question. It was many questions that we drew, but I, I drew myself uh, on, a, an, on an island as uh, having a few kids and being sort of uh, on a beach somewhere. Oh. And then I drew myself uh, uh, on a, uh, having a speech with my book, you know, that I'd written next to me. And this was in 1989. I was 26 years old. And it took me, um, I guess, six years to publish the book. And, be, and I was so fortunate that I was able to, you know, go around and have uh, lectures and speeches about it. And 15 years later, I took a sabbatical on Zanzibar, and I had uh, three kids at the time. And uh, one of the things, I uh, we had a house on a beach, and outside on the beach, we saw these women who were sitting out in the, it's very hot there when the, yeah, after like nine o'clock, the sun is uh, up there, uh, just burning. And these women were sitting out in the ocean, uh, and having seaweed farms. And it looks very exotic and it's very pretty with the colors. But when we started to look into it, we realized it's a horrible job and mm. they make very little money. So that's when I started to be interested in women's situation in Zanzibar. And we started coming up with different projects. This was uh, in 2005, 2006. And we've been involved in different projects uh, those years after. And one of the recent projects is to uh, look at uh, find, find women role models that can serve as role models uh, mm -hmm. for other women so they can see opportunities and how and get inspired and learn from those who uh, have gone before. And mm. those are the projects that we have. I've also worked on those kinds of projects in Norway. And so it's almost taking some of those experiences and just applying it in a different context. And right. it's very meaningful and yeah. it's very exciting because it's, uh, you know, we've come so far in Scandinavia and there are so many other places where we, the women's issues uh, really need to be focused on. Yeah, love that. I think that's a good way to end with advice. Uh, spread your knowledge and love uh, all over the world because we're really fortunate uh, here in Norway. 
uh, and we can take that out to the world to learn from and also thrive even better. So thank you so much, uh, Irmelin, uh, for this talk, mostly about self-leadership. So we may need to have another talk on kind of the future of leadership and leadership in general, uh, but really a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was a very interesting conversation with you as always. Thank you. And thank you to all the listeners out there. It's always a pleasure to be here with you in the video cast, a regenerative future where we invite inspiring guests who all have in common that they act to create a more thriving world for all of us. So thank you for now and see you again. And until next time. Good. Bye-bye.